welcome back to the Banter Book Club. Yeah, here we are again. I'm Taylor. I am John. And I just had a whole bunch of Diet Coke, so I'm jonesed. I'm ready to go. I had a coffee earlier. I also uh, stayed up until about uh, 2 in the morning yesterday, so I'm, I'm feeling great too. I might be a little spacey. You know, I'll get some of those, uh, some of those like super drug theories type uh, type <laughs> what, feel what going you, on. What were you doing it until two in the, two in the morning? Not that you're not allowed to be up until two in the morning. That's totally acceptable. I, but you've I, got abs, a child. Of, yeah. I it, well, it, it wasn't for like a good reason. Of oh, my <laughs> kid was awake, so it was because uh, I was playing Civilization. <laughs> Civ. Uh, are they on six now? Is six they are out? on six. Six is out. Okay. I have six. I have played a fair chunk of six. I, I like six, but I've probably put one to two thousand hours into Civ Five, and I have recently uh, been playing it a bit again. So I was playing Civ Five. So you were playing Civ Five instead of six? Yeah. In this oh, okay. Yeah, there are some iterations of stuff that's better on the previous one. I have been playing... I don't even know that it's, like, better, right? Like, I'm not going to say Civ Five is better. I'm going to say that I understand the good. game. I yeah. understand Civ Five a lot more than I understand Civ Six, And I haven't... I put in the effort to learn it, whereas... I I don't know. I have tried to learn Civ Six. It just doesn't click. Probably because I'm fucking old now, right? <laughs> my, yeah, it's it's my not brain. the same. Yeah. So, anyway, what have you been playing recently that you were going to say? I got um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order on the Steam discount for 20 bucks, and it's so fucking worth it. It's like a it's classic single player. It's it's a great game. I, I think it got a lot of flack when it came out because it was buggy, um, mm. but I it's now way after the fact. I have seen zero bugs. It's smooth as fuck. The single-player campaign is very enjoyable. It's got a classic Zelda feel that I like about it. I've now mentioned Zelda twice now. I don't think I really love it that much for it to warrant being mentioned so many times, but, you know, you go to a new area, there's so much stuff to explore, including stuff that you can't get to yet because you don't have the the whatever upgrade or, or thing. Anyways, it's fun. Especially for 20 bucks. But I think we've got some. We've got a little bit of housekeeping to do before we really uh, get into the meat of the episode. Before we talk about the girls, latest, yes, indeed, we uh, we realized, you know, we should probably. We've mentioned on multiple occasions to get some feedback from the audience, and we gave zero outlet for these people to give us feedback. Wait, so, did we? Did we actually uh, give? A call for feedback i can't recall ever doing that okay so you're right i didn't say tell us how bad we're doing i what i meant <laughs> to say was give us i think the first thing we asked for was like hazing things like stuff uh. what what do you do in your job this is this is taylor speaking to the listener not you john <laughs> saying what do you haze the new people in your job haze is probably a strong word we don't want none of the gross stuff we just want funny stuff you had some good examples like um elbow grease oh yeah that's a classic and, uh, one. I feel like that's bucket everywhere. of steam bucket o steam bucket of steam i i thoroughly enjoy yes but anyways if you have some cool ones that you like 
send them to us at thebanterbookclub at gmail.com. That's right. We're a real podcast now. We've got yep. a Gmail. There's an email. Definitely can't make that for free. You need you need like credentials to make the email. So um. actually, I said I I made it a business one, and oh. goddamn was that a hassle! It gave me like <laughs> you have 50. Done that. Oh, I was like, this is how you grow your your business. No thanks. It's just a. It's just for. This is how you grow your business. <laughs> <laughs> but now we yeah I feel like we've talked about a bunch of stuff now, so that if people feel like giving us some uh sending us their theories i'm sure there's there's plenty of people that might disagree with what we've said so far or our our guesses on what's going on in the world but yeah just open up some some avenues of communication hit us up at the banter book club at gmail.com yeah we look forward to hearing from you but now it's time to talk about girls. John, did you have any experiences with girls when you were a teenager? When I was a teenager, yes, I had only the most wholesome and uh, <laughs> and reasonable interactions with uh, members of the opposite gender, as it were. How about you? You and I were in the same German class for at least three years, I think, right? Or was it two? Uh, it was uh, it was two or three. It was but half we, or more of high school. And we we got along pretty well. I remember we joked around. Yeah, I feel like at but least we one of the years that I remember, I wherever I sat, you sat like two desks behind me, or or like one desk behind me. And I you were right always sitting. You. And you were always sitting with what was her name? Whitney. Whitney. Right? Yeah. yeah. And you two were like uh, always chit chatting. We were the masters of flirting and just like Foth, it never went anywhere. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. It was like <laughs> it was like Foth and Fella. Me and me and this girl. Uh, oh, was it actually like Foth and Fella? Like she 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 was uh, no. trying no. for it and you were well, like not nah. actually when you when you have listened to or read the book as many times as I have, Foth is straight on flirting with her a bunch of times, but then like in his mind he's not actually. Like I think he's well, kissed right. He, yes. Both has kissed Fella's hand two or three times. He's yeah. definitely, like, he saves her life in... Um, the fishery, yeah. Yeah, saves his, saves Fella's life in the fishery when the bone tar spills, which yep. I, have a the- I have a small theory about that, or the possibility of a small theory in that moment. Interesting. And then after that, he it's either the next day or something, he, meet, he finds Fella... And they have a full-on flirt sesh. Like, she's, like, openly hitting on him. She buys him a cloak to replace the one that got burnt in the fire. And then he he straight up kisses her hand and is, like, making these really romantic comments about her type of hand. She was, like, nervous that she was, like, a a maiden in a story that was wasn't like she hate she used to hate the women in stories because they always needed to be saved it's like why don't you just save yourself why don't you poison the ogre or push the witch off the cliff or something and then uh he's like complimenting her these these are not a maiden's hands these are the hands of a person who would save herself if i wasn't there and then kisses her that's that's flirt but it's then, flirt, but it's also like it's also like uh etiquette 
for some, especially both who's who has been trained in uh, noble etiquette. You're right. I think I think it even mentions that too, but look, I don't he definitely think sh- he he definitely sends out a lot of the wrong signals without really thinking about it. I wouldn't. I mean, okay, I agree with you. He's sending out signals he may not uh, uh, be attempting to send out, but. I don't think they're wrong. Why not? She's. It's happened multiple times throughout the books that people like look at the two of them together and then like, what? What is she doing with him? Like, she's the most beautiful girl in the academy. Well, right. I don't think it's a matter of you know <laughs> he wouldn't be lucky to uh, to you know be with her or whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more just, especially at that point. He's with just the fishery being a thing. Kid. No, with the fit like at the point when the fishery thing happens, he had found Denna again, so he was very much uh, you know, he had his mind made up, as it were, uh, as right. to his preferences and, and what he wanted. And it was Denna. It was Denna. Who so we him? talked about Fella a little bit. Well, I mean, where did we leave off in the story? The last thing to have happened was I don't remember the last episode where we ended in the plot. It uh, was... Uh, we were, well, we had been talking about the different masters. Yeah, we had been talking about the masters and, like, kind of going through their different right. uh, roles uh, and yeah. personalities. And I think the last thing was him falling off of the... or jumping off of the rocker, the rookery. Yeah. <laughs> so then, what is it? There's, there's a whole bunch of emphasis about him <clears throat> finally making his way across the river... And going into Imre. Yep. And that's where he meets up <clears throat> with Denna for the first time in six months or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> but what was it that brought him over there? Oh, Getting his talent pipes. I think it was money. Oh, yes. There was also money. Willem and Simon confronted Quoth about like his energy. He was getting really strung yep. out. like He was doing way too much stuff. And so they talked to Kilvin and got him get him banned from the fishery because of how tired he is he they see his friend they see their friend getting yeah straight up burnt out you know essentially about to crack maybe not go crazy like like cracking and being put in the the rookery but like he's getting burnt out and they notice that and so they talk to kilvin and he says you need to rest so he's got a, a significant amount of time where he can't be in there making money so he has to make money somewhere else. And the only other place that he can really yeah. go is into Imre. Well, wasn't uh, wasn't he also looking for... Because the new semester was coming up, so he needed... And he knew he wasn't going to be paid to go to the university again. He knew he would he would need money. So he was looking for a, uh, a mm-hmm. someone who would give him a loan. Right. So he definitely go- he goes to Imre to pay... to get money but i'm not sure if devi was that early or if maybe that's the next term so he gets money well with his talent well no 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 it would have to be that way because he gets a bigger loan and buys a loot and that's the only way he's able to try for his pipes oh yes you're right he goes he runs out of the money he can't get any money from working kilvin's fishery so he has to go across the river he doesn't he still doesn't have a loot so he has to borrow money he goes to Devi's 
Devi said is the minimum is what like six talents, and he yeah. and then he finally gives in. It's like okay, but she's like okay, I need three drops of your blood, and he's like no way, I'm out. You can't have my blood, especially since because of the life that I've lived, and I know what you can do with it. So on his way back to the academy. He goes into just a rent. He goes into a pawn shop. He, I think he sees like a raggedy old loot, and he haggles that guy down to like two talents and and whatever because he's kind of already submitted to the fact he has to lend or borrow money anyways. Since the minimum has to be you know six talents, I'm gonna I'm just gonna buy a loot because I fucking miss a loot. I miss my music. I also I also like that. I'm pretty sure she says, oh the minimum is six or four or whatever she says, but. Yeah. He ends up like getting her to agree to do two. But then that's so, when the blood yeah. comes in. So then he goes back and he's like, you know what, I'll take the four. Because he, he wants to buy yeah. the loot. Which is <laughs> uh, just funny. Yeah, we find out later. Actually, I'm not sure if it's in book two. Yeah, I think it's in book two where we find out that he, that Devi is, is not in the money lending business. She's in the procuring favors business yeah like she's doing fine with money like she could straight up give him that money and and not bat an eye but what she wants and she eventually finds out that he oh let's not go there because he doesn't even know how to get into the the uh the stacks yet yeah so i mean what do we know about debbie that was not a very good introduction of the character what are the, the slang terms she's a money hawk that's one of the we she, there's a few different slang terms for people that uh, lend money and are, uh, you know, sort of the black market version of, of official money lenders. She was a student at the university, but she, she was, expelled. was. She was actually expelled. She she was so good at sympathy because she has, like, apparently a ridiculously strong ailer. She apparently like the uh, ocean in a storm. That is how it is described. Yes, apparently she caused a. Uh, Elxadal to, to be afraid of her and Elxadal is the master sympathist. She became a Rolar in her second year and was equal in sympathy to Elxadal apparently. Yeah. According to her I think. I think that is uh, the case. I think that is according to her but she seems to have the chops to back it up. She'll, she proves it uh, later on. Yeah. Yeah. We won't get to that plot point yet because we've we will have skipped quite a bit of the book but yeah. Yeah. So he he gets a loan Gets his loot. Well, I've skipped the whole book, right? Because then that in book two. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> Which part? Where they have their little duel. And that's where it like, really gets proven. They duel in book two? I think it's book two. Yeah, it's got to be in book two. Because he takes the massive loan out from her in, in book one when he goes up to and finds the... the goes up to the Moffat farm. Oh, yes, and, you're and, right. So he... Yeah. Okay, well, we don't need to cover that because it's book two. Yeah, exactly. We'll, but, uh, yeah, we'll get there after. I feel like we still haven't done justice to Debbie, though. She's, uh, yeah. I think she was described as, some people would describe her as waifish if they don't know her. If you just look at her, she kind of looks like a, a normal yeah. young woman. She also has red hair, like both. Uh, she is another woman that is almost constantly hitting on Quoth, and he doesn't realize it. He just ignores the shit out of it for some reason. Like he thinks she's joking or something. Yep. She, uh, over the course of the two books, drops a few hints about uh, 
taking him to bed. Yep, she asks him a bunch of times, "Is are you here for business or pleasure? And also, I think it is in, in one of the books where <laughs> she straight up says, as part of like a deal they make, and I'll take you to bed. Oh, yeah. So he... He tells her that he found a way into the stacks. Yeah, and if yeah, and it flustered the hell out I'll of him you, too. <laughs> I'll give you ten talents. No, I really can't. I'll give you twenty talents. No, can't. I'll give you forty talents, and I'll take you to bed right now. And he just says, "No, nope, can't do it." Just totally doesn't mention the fact that she offered. Well, him. he he gets super flustered about it because he he does at yeah. first he doesn't he like takes him a second to realize like what <laughs> what did you wait what <laughs> that what. <laughs> But yeah, I think it even yeah they mentioned I, he couldn't process that last part, so we're just gonna hey, I'm just gonna ignore it. Yeah, she's very strong. You had you had some guesses that she was a shaper. Um, I I threw it out there. I'm not, I, you know, I don't have any uh, information on that. It the part the thing that she ties into in my mind is I, I always misquote it, but it's something like Quoth went looking for his heart's desire, and he had to trick a demon to get it and when he finally held it in his hands he had to kill an angel to keep it I think that I think that's it Fight. so her nickname is Demon Devi or Davy Demon Davy however you know you say uh -huh. it so in my mind he has, are... he has to trick her in some way to get his heart's desire um, but given the where you found that information from you feel like both of those people described there are shapers like the had to trick a demon shaper and, and fight uh, a, an angel shaper. i don't know that might have just been me speaking terribly I, okay. I can't i can't actually recall uh where i thought that that came from or why i thought that okay but, yeah. yeah i still haven't read that other book that you mentioned Oh, so I don't slow, know if there's the slow regard of silent things. It. No, that's all. That's all Ari, and that just that's all only Ari. Yeah, that's it's literally from Ari's perspective, and uh, and it's you remember in uh, in the second book, I want to say uh, there's a part where Quoth says he'll see her in seven days or something, or or he'll, I'll see you in however long, and then. He shows up and she's there and that's that's that even though he, i think he shows up early but she is there anyway i don't know what you mean the only the know. only it's, time it, where i think it takes place can... in the in that period of time like that that's that's all the all i was gonna say uh, but <laughs> why i even bothered asking it just takes place in that period okay. of time but i feel like that's a that's a good switch over to ari one of the other most important characters in the book Another girl. I feel like I want I want to uh, mix in uh, a little sound clip of the Beastie Boys song "Girls." Oh really? I, say, I feel like I would just go with. Uh, I feel like I would go with. Um, what is it? Motley Crue. Girls, girls, girls. I have to look it up. I'm not familiar with it's, it. Yeah, I'm not even gonna try to sing it because it'll just be terrible. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking of the Beastie Boys. Girls. Girl. Anyway, oh. there, there's no way we could get copyrighted for a single word and not even any real music, right? Uh, probably not. I don't know. If you, Especially since we're making no money. You you put it you put it in. Uh, 
and it'll be there. You don't put it in, it won't. <laughs> only Fair enough. Well, I'll only know once I. I hear will it decide. Live. <laughs> there you go. So Ari, Ari. Other pronunciations is only introduced after uh, Kvothe gets his loot and he's yeah. just playing I think it's playing on the top of mains or yep. on the top of he's practicing on on the roof of mains which is I guess a place where nobody goes not many people are walking around on the roofs yeah only Elodin occasionally <laughs> And uh, oh yeah, it's funny to go when you go back and uh, Ari actually mentions that. It's like I saw uh, Master Loden on top of things. Yeah. I'm like oh cool. Because that comes up later. But I think it's actually Loden. Oh okay, not when he gets made a Rilar. It's when he gets uh, introduced or he gets invited to Loden's class. Uh, because Loden yeah uh, Which... meets. Which Kvothe is... and Ari, and realizes that Kvothe has named Ari her true name. Or, you know, an, a, an extremely appropriate name. And that's when he finally realizes, alright, maybe my class wouldn't be bad for you if you just came up with the name Ari for her. Yeah. But Ari is also a small girl. Lives in the Underthing. Oh, we, we had mentioned stuff about the Underthing before. We got postponed. Was there... Anything about the under thing that we wanted to talk about? I mean, aside from the fact that it's, uh, you know, probably the uh, the remnants of one of the destroyed cities or. Bellin. Yeah, you know, that just that, just that one thing. <laughs> Definitely nothing major. Uh, okay. You know. So then, back to Ari. What else? What other introductions do we want to make? Well, in the girls episode. So, the as far as Ari goes, she's very, uh, very timid at first, very easily scared off, not necessarily frightened, just yeah. skittish. That's the word I'm like looking for. Like a wild very skittish. deer or something. Yes, uh, definitely like a, a a wild animal that you have to like approach very cautiously. And you do you make one wrong move and they they bolt. But I think it's you know him playing his music that she that she shows up for and typically uh, enjoys. Yeah, I think that's what brought them together so much faster. Loden has also been attempting to connect with Ari, but he is met with very little success. And I think the music was definitely the shortcut. Not no sexual tension between the two of them they're like more of a brother sister or or like best friend sort of thing both is looking out for her safety yeah but i think it's insinuated in the beginning that eventually they do right i think at some point yeah he introduces her as his first love well yeah he says my first lover called me Dulator because she liked the way it sounded. Which that's that part called him whatever because she liked the way it sounded. That's totally an Ari thing to do. Now, that's not all that much proof that that's Ari. And I think he says my first real lover. I thought his first lover was 
uh, Ferulian. Or, um, Valyrian. Yeah, but I cannot recall a single place in book two where she calls him that. No, me either. I've never... I don't know where that And name... And that's why... Uh, it, he also specifies my first real lover, my first, my first love, something like that. Like it was definitely not just to specify the first sexual partner, right? I think. Anyway, that's my takeaway. Okay, we're meshing the two books together. Uh, any it's other hard girls? not did to. We, really did we cover enough girls? Girls. Um, well, I mean, we talked a little bit about Denna when we met her at Rowan's caravan. But I think it's interesting that when he initially uh, tries to describe her. Well, there's like an. You come out of the story, and Kvoth, or Coat, Kvoth, back in Noir, is talking to Chronicler and Bastion, and he's like trying to decide, you know, or trying to sort of preamble the, the introduction of, of a, a girl. And he says, "Oh, she, you know, she's in the wings, waiting for her cue. Uh, I don't know exactly how to how to bring her in. Blah blah blah, that sort of thing." And I, I think it's heavily, uh, heavily influencing it to make it seem like it's Denna, especially if you read it again. Mm -hmm. It just because so much emphasis is placed on Denna in the rest of the the first book, it makes it feel like that was all alluding to Denna's introduction. When in reality, after that, after that little aside, Ari is introduced before Denna is. Right. But then Ari is sort of downplayed for, <laughs> for the book. So I, I personally think that it's, it's actually supposed to be talking about Ari, not Denna. That little, that little aside, but. The part that gets me, I think it says that they, they like move in opposite circles of each other. Like they're constant, they're always getting closer, but they're always on the other side of the circle, circle from each other. And I didn't see how Ari fit into that equation. Um, maybe she does, and I'm just overthinking it. But how does Ari I fit mean, into the equation of of Kvothe and Dennis circling towards each other? No, uh, if. Ari and Kvoth were circling each other. I don't. I don't know how that. It doesn't seem like they are. And to go along with why you f uh, people think uh, it's about Denna, it seems like that is some some strong evidence, or that is in favor of it being about Denna. The fact that they are on opposite sides, but they're always getting closer. But they're they're on opposite sides of a closing circle. That's a very specific thing that may not that might have been said in a different place also. But regardless, in book one, during the telling of the story, there's no romance there. They're building a relationship that's very sweet and innocent and friendly. Kvoth actually brings another girl girl to uh, the under thing to make sure that she's okay after uh, the bone tar spills, and he saves Fella. I think it's the next day where he finally like gets startled to realization that the bone tar went into the under thing. Like those grates in the yeah. fishery, those go down into the under thing where Ari lives. Yeah, uh, and his 
his concern is prompted. So he gets Mola, who after Mola. his first after his first whipping, uh, she she was the part that Elsa who patched him up. Right. I think she was still a Rilar at the time, because there's no skipping, there's no shortcuts in. For Arwell, yeah. For Arwell, which makes sense to me. If you're taking care of people, just like I like how it takes a person a long time to become a doctor, same idea. I don't want some Joe Schmo. You know, yeah, it takes repetition and, and practice and oversight. Experience. I think that's it for girls. I got nothing else. I mean, that's an introduction to all of them, maybe, but that's not all the important interactions, right? Nope. I'm pretty sure we can no longer we can complete the podcast without ever mentioning any of these characters again. Okay. Well, I think it, it bears uh, saying about Ari. Now I'll play the girls clip, but like sad, like in a like a my, girls. girls. <laughs> <laughs> I think it does. I think it does bear saying about Ari though uh, that she is utterly strange as far as quote-unquote normal people go um yeah. it after is... that moment mola actually criticizes both is like you need to get Br you need to get her help like she's not okay here she's cracked and she's living underground you need to realize what's happening and get her some real help yeah and it is pretty clear that ari has uh cracked in some way like she's definitely not mentally fit if you will to be amongst uh, lots of people but she doesn't have any of those horrible ticks no like the people in the her rookery. yeah her uh oddities are more just the way she sees the world and right she seems eccentric and imaginative yes, yes. like she gives things strange names and she uh, it's it's almost as, it, it, it's very comparative to talking to like a three or a four year old or, so, or five year old or something like mm -hmm. oh I think one of the quotes is what did you bring me uh, it's an apple well what's inside of it and he says something like like dreams right and that was like a sufficient yeah. answer to her right so abstract imaginative yeah. stuff yeah which is entertaining but also in there there are gifts given that might play a real role later in the story i don't know if this one raised any flags for you but at one point she gives him a key yeah that unlocks the moon yeah or it's I, a key to the moon it's it really is uh set up in my opinion in my view that both at some point in book three is going to need a place to hide. He's going to go to Ari and hide and hide in the Underthing because it's it's in book two or maybe book one that she says to him, you know, if you ever need a place to stay, I have a place here for you. Right. And also, there is going to be a connection, a path from, and this this is his way in, right? He actually does find this in book two. He finds a way through the Underthing into the into the stacks or into yeah into the stacks right so this uh -huh. is how he's going to end up in the under thing sneaking into the stacks and somehow knowing how to get through the four plate door it, it's just it, that's it's gonna be that 
That I just feel it. I feel it in my bones. Okay. You really think Quoth's going through the doors in book three? I think, uh, yeah. It's called the Doors of Stone for a reason. Yeah. Yep. That'd be really cool. So, yes, that is what I think is going to happen. What is beyond the door? That's a great question. Death, maybe. Along with our email, we should look up Patrick Rothfuss' contact information just to give some loving nudges in the direction of completing the series. <laughs> yes, I'm sure he has not received uh, oodles and oodles of those in the past uh, t- t- 10 years. I remember how excited I was for the last book of Harry Potter. I actually can't think of any other series that I was really excited to read, but I feel like book three is going to blow Harry Potter out of the water. I mean, That's... either that or it's going to be like the biggest, like, huge fucking letdown. It's gonna... Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, you know, it's really hard. It's, it, I imagine it's very hard, especially after the amount of time it's been since the release of Wise Man's Fear. You're never going to be able to please everyone, right? And yeah. It's, the expectations are so ridiculously high. I had that thought, too. Like, what is it... Like, if I could give him any advice for book three, what would it be? And... Almost the entirety of books one and two is build-up. So I would, I would think that in book three, there's got to be a significant amount of cash in. Like, don't build up. Like, you don't have to, you know, build more web. Start cashing in on all this shit. Like, confirm people's theories and, and I don't know. Like, it it, it seems yeah. like he did such a good, bo- good job writing books one and two that it would make it easier or when you're completing a puzzle the hardest part is the very beginning right so you know once you get the border like the the inside parts that's the hardest part but when you're down to the last you know five six seven pieces that shit goes through goes by really quick yeah i think we said it uh we talked or we were talking about it in one of the other episodes where i was like oh you know there's still i feel like there's still so much to go or i think it was in the context of the pacing of book two while we go lots of places in book two and we cover a lot of ground like travel wise mm-hmm. we I don't feel like that much is covered story wise in the context of the things that both laid out in the beginning as the things that were going to be done I got lost in there but yeah uh, I would need to bring up the exact um, yeah, I remember we talked about how if book three is going to complete the series, it's going to be the third day of storytelling, and then also the completion of the present day, like of both telling the story to Bast and Chronicler. So there's going to be that whole third story, but then also the conclusion to present day and how is that all going to fit in one book yeah but like so you know when he's he's sort of saying like oh i quote i've stolen princesses back from sleeping barrow kings i've done this that that this that right right we've only touched on 
the origins of a hand, like less than half of the things he lays out. So even when things are blatant lies, he, he mentions it. Even if something was completely stretched from what the original thing was, he, he tells the original story. I don't think he's going to bring all of those things up. I don't think he's going to bring all of that up. I don't... He... There are so many things that were mentioned, and I think Patrick Rothfuss actually commented on this. Like, there's... And it's it's added on even more in book two. Like, Bast has a reaction when they talk about the Cathay. It's like, you know so much. How do you not know about the Cathay? Like, you know about the... I think it was, like, the the White Sisters or the, the Grey Sisters or something... You know about the laughing way. You know, like he Bast lists even more things about how, like all of the little things that Quoth knows about the turnings of the world. And yeah, somebody asks him that question, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to cover all that. Like that's just more, you know." Well, knowing things that he knows about the turning of the world is different than like legendary Quoth stories that had to have some root in the things he did. Right. I, but there could be a whole long story in there about how he learns about, you know, the Laughing Way or the White Sisters or, you know, there could be a whole, like, how did he come to learn about those things? Those could be all huge, long stories. I, d- I definitely don't think everything that Quoth listed at the beginning in book one are going to be covered. You, you think all that stuff is going to get covered? I think it's uh, it's reasonable to think that a majority of them will. And That's true. Like That's I true. said, I guess we would want to come. <laughs> I guess we would want to make a list of all those things. Yeah, and you said we've only covered a couple of them, huh? Yeah, I'm like trying to find the actual paragraph, but not having. Well, there's my the nicknames, book. right? So, quote the bloodless, we've learned. Quote the arcane, we've learned. I think most of his nicknames we've touched on too, because we've already been to. At least in book two, we've already been to, you know, where the Adem are, and they they yep. gave him the name that meant a couple different things depending on what it said, etc. Yeah. etc. But what was it? Lightning, broken tree. Yeah, fire. Something yeah. something with fire. Ooh, actually, this is a it's a tangent, but I wanted to bring it up. Do it. Coat. Yes. Means what? Disaster. We're sure about that. The very quote in the first book, after the fishery yes. fire, he says, he, Master Kilvin says some phrase in Siaru, and mm-hmm. Quoth specifically says, oh, what's that last word? I, I didn't pick up on it. And the last word was coat, and Kilvin says disaster. Because it translates to I... expect disaster every seven years. Right. So in that phrase, I, I don't, I don't. John Van Eden Coat, which translates to "expect disaster every seven years," is believed that code is Ciaru for disaster. Okay, where does that actually happen though? Because, okay, so it's when Kilvin reason... and Kilvin and Quoth are talking about the fishery fire after it happens, and Kilvin's got like the bandages on his hands and stuff. Right. So I, I'm trying to find the the rest in that section about the because i don't think that he says that word means destruction i think that he says the phrase and then the implication knowing that his name is coat is that the word is to destruction when 
the other primary word no, in that disaster. phrase. Or sorry, yes, disaster. But in the other the rest of that phrase includes a certain number that is particularly poignant for this story. And the yeah, fact but that the f I'm pretty sure if I were to go get my 10-year anniversary edition, it has uh, sealed dish numbers in it, and coat is not seven. Okay. Oh man. Possibly. I thought I I thought I had a real scoop right there. Like, what if like if it wasn't completely translated, and you know, because there's the whole thing about him being a ch one of the Chandrian, and how insane would it be to find out that coat? Oh, that doesn't mean destruction or whatever uh it actually means seven like he's the new seventh changer <laughs> but anyways that was a whole adventure that i went on by myself don't mind me back to what we were talking about which was i don't know let's pick a new thing <laughs> uh as far as imre and quotes uh trips oh yeah we there go uh that's where we sort of when he's getting his pipes, his talent pipes, and Ambrose gives himself binders chills to break close string. <laughs> and it actually, I think that's what gets him his pipes. Is that he his... finishes the song without it. Yeah, because Quoth did make an error. He makes a misstep in the song when he starts looking around for the singer. He's like, oh my yeah. god, this this woman's voice is incredible. I need to see her. So he's looking around, and he's having difficulties, and he messes up once. And the other two people that were going for their pipes before him messed up once, and they didn't get their pipes. So I think if the song finished from then on, he would not have gotten his pipes. But only once Ambrose cut his one of his strings, and he recovered, he like went down into his primal sleeping mind and started playing the world i keep that's what that's how i seem to want to phrase it yeah but it's not until then he recovers the song with six strings instead of seven the hardest song to have ever existed and he still does it i think that's what actually gets him his pipes so he kind of has ambrose to thank for it yeah, I mean, it, it's reasonable to think that it's, it's funny, too, that in a lot of cases in the book, that is sort of uh, a theme where you do something bad and it just ends up really good for the person you were trying to hurt. Right. And then and then with that, with him getting the pipes, that's like ends up being his ticket to free room and board at a, at a place... Uh, at an inn where he plays a few nights a week and he gets and he can make money it's sort of his inn uh the prancing pony yes a very respected inn is it called the prancing pony isn't that the one from lord of the no, rings no that's lord of the rings <laughs> it's something pony though it is isn't something it? it is something pony yes or it's the horse and four the horse and four shit so not pony yes horse and four very eerily similar to four horsemen but Mm. I mean, I can't imagine that it has any bearing on anything, considering how quickly he gets uh, kicked out of there after. It's after Jackass, Jackass, right? That's what. Uh, that's yeah, what he's got at least some time. It, is it after Jackass, Jackass, or does Ambrose just yes. do it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's after Jackass, Jackass. He writes the public letters and. Uh, um, yeah. 
puts him up with the adhesive that won't come off. <laughs> yeah, an alchemical solution goes on clear and stays on like cement. Like the only <laughs> way you're getting that sucker off there is with a like an axe or something. Yeah, take down the wall. I mean, I feel like we don't need to cover every plot point. No, in, of course not. In Imre. I just think uh, it's worth noting a few things, such as anything that develops the blood feud between Ambrose and Kvothe yes, is usually good, good things, because, I mean, a, he's sort of, between him and, like, him, those are sort of, like, the the antagonists, at least through most of the university sections of the book. Like, yeah. That and poverty, I guess. The, as far as the an to enemy to Kvothe, the only enemies that are there are Hem, Ambrose, and arguably Kvothe. Yeah, yes, definitely. Uh, he is his own worst enemy in a lot of uh, a lot of ways. It's also uh, Devi a tiny bit. Well, not really. Devi only in the sense that this goes more more back to to Kvothe because whenever anything goes wrong, anywhere anything that could be related to malfeasance of some type against Kvothe, he immediately. Uh, thinks, ah, Devi sold my blood, or or something. That well, I, that, actually, that's immediately he, his thought. Actually, it's the uh, Willemans and uh, I keep one. I'm thinking Sim. Sim. Holy shit, Sim. Sim. Uh, they are the people that bring it up. He he thinks after uh, malfeasance is done to him. I think this is book two, so we don't need to cover it. But he actually thinks it's Ambrose the whole time. It's definitely Ambrose, but then he gets convinced by his friends that it's it's not Ambrose. Think about it. He never does anything that would actually lead to him getting in trouble. He's a, uh, he's a bastard, but he's a clever bastard. Uh, uh, but it turns out later that he didn't know he was doing it to Kvothe. He thought it was just an assassin or a robber. He thought it was do he was doing it to a nobody. Um, he didn't know it was Kvothe, so he was doing it. And But yeah, Willem and, and Sim convince him that it's Devi because they know all they know about Devi is her. Well, even without the Ambrose thing, when or that particular one, the, the malfeasance one, when he the attempt on his life happens, he goes to her and and asks to see his blood. Oh yeah, no, you're right, absolutely. But yes, in the second uh, in the second one, the the malfeasance from Ambrose that. Mm -hmm. is he was definitely convinced by by his friends because the first this first time sort of uh, proved to him at least somewhat yeah, he didn't that, trust her yet yeah that he could trust her more perhaps and then they you right. know made a few deals with like borrowing books and things like that so they became uh, less uh, less distrustful of each other she has a strong interest in books why uh, because she can no longer go to the archives, and it very much like Kvothe, it was uh, a place of great interest for her. She is willing to pay an outrageous sum of money and have sex with Kvothe to get into the archives. I mean, you say the second part as though it would be like a bad thing. Like, like it would be distasteful. <laughs> no, no. I'm only bringing it up 
because it seems like there is a huge motivation for her. She's got money. Yes. She seems like she could get in. Does she? Is she trying to burn it down? Like, what? What does she actually want to do in there? That's if she has question. the money that she needs to get these books from anywhere, and she has an impressive library for herself, we throughout the two books, both borrows a bunch of books from her. They have conversations about the books. She's very well educated. I'm just curious about her motivation. Why she is trying so hard to get in there. We don't know exactly. Uh, it just, to me, uh, it seems like it's more than I want access to the books that I'm going to read. It seems like it's something beyond that. I mean, given... It makes sense, given that she seems to have large amounts of money and great connections, it's possible that she's looking for something other than a book in the archives. Perhaps a... Uh, Something that can only be found in the f behind the four-plated door, maybe. Uh, yeah, I wonder. So, there is a female Chandrian. Can you remember off the top of your head any information about the female? I think, from what I know... Is there a way that we can rule out any of the characters that we know of being that Chandrian? I don't think we have any information about her. I don't think we have any information about what she might look like or any details about her i think like the only time that we've like seen them is when they're at the fire after they attack those troop and they describe a couple of them um the only one that's popping into my mind is a man with a bald head aside from like you know cinder and uh and right Teliax. uh so it just seems like the answer is no we don't know yeah. Which is fine. That's fine. That's. I think that's the most I know. I mean, there's uh, the different ones, like the Adem's poem, where they uh, account each Chandrian. There's, these are just names and, and the sign, I think. Yep. So which ones are most like... Uh, Cyphus bears the blue flame. I don't... Cyphus, I don't know. That, that sounds like a, uh, a dude to me. Sturkus, is it... Is in thrall of iron. That sounds like a dude. Ferul, that's that's Cinder. Chill and Urkavai. Usnia lives in nothing but decay. Gray Dalsenti never speaks. Pale Alenta brings the blight. Alenta. Yeah, Alenta or Dalsenti or Usnia. Those those three sound most like women's names to my ear. You know. That's what do you think blight? would be um i'm a, there's decay and there's blight blight you know just the the typical you know dictionary definition would be disease and uh i mean there's also blight like overgrowth and and reclamation in that way blight er, refers to a specific symptom affecting plants in response to infection well, blight in a more general way is a thing that spoils or damages something. Right. Okay, I'm, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't maybe the rust thing. I think that's that probably happened. more decay. That'd be... Yeah, yeah, you're right. That one. Just ruling it out. Yeah. Anyways, we've fallen into a hole. Yeah, a little bit, but I think it's an interesting hole. So that one was a bit scatterbrained. <laughs> but our energy was high. I liked it. I mean, I 
I liked all the things we were talked about. I thought there was some interesting, uh, definitely some interesting things being set up. You know, still, yeah. still book one, lots set up. But I guess the next episode might be headed into the the plot might re-enter into the episode, less speculation or introduction of characters, and a little bit more into events that are exciting events that are going to happen, including the next Chandrian attack. Yeah. And other events that I am blanking on right now. Because that's the end of the book. I think it's going to basically be, yeah, pretty much uh, all the all of Kvo's time spent with Denna. Yes. For the most okay. part. And then, yeah, after the after the the next Chandrian attack, it's pretty much just some more life business as usual at the university. Although, isn't it at the end of the book that he calls the wind on Ambrose? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, exciting things. Our email is thebanterbookclub at gmail.com. Send us a message if you want to. Yeah, we'd uh, be interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, we've spent so many of these episodes just spitballing about what we know. I'm really curious to see the other things that other people are thinking. Yes, and uh, that email will be in the show notes. Yes, absolutely. It'll be there. There it is. All right. But we'll see you next week on the Benter Book Club. Cue that sweet, sweet outro music. Later. Actually, it's fading up while we're having a conversation. Maybe I'll make it crescendo here and our audio will, will decrease. Ooh, yeah, and then we can like fade out talking about how, <laughs> how the music is going to sound while the music's exactly right. sounding. Also, maybe mention so that there meta. were no, no dick jokes, so I won't have to turn this episode into explicit. Boner. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.